We are in the book of Matthew. We've been preaching through chapter 15, and we'll be in verse 21 through verse 28 of this chapter. The story is also mentioned in Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. We'll be referring to Mark chapter 7 some in the message, and we'll be looking at this story of the Syrophoenician woman, a Canaanite woman. And let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. How many are ready to be stirred? Amen. How many are ready to learn something? Amen. Amen. Verse 21, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaanite came out, Mark chapter 7 says she was a Syrophoenician woman of the same coast, and cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her, Not a word. And Jesus and the, and the disciples came and besought Jesus, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, Woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Notice the phrase where he said it's not, verse 26, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. I want to use for a subject this morning, who let the dogs out? Maybe it's seated. Who, who let the dogs out? I said, who, who let the dogs out? Well, actually, in this story, you would ask the question, who let the dog in? Now, the story is very clear. Jesus Christ has already fed the multitudes, somewhere between ten and 15,000 people with the five loaves and the two fish. He's, always, he's already had a confrontation with the scribes and the Pharisees about cleanness comes from within, not without, about the washing of hands. There's been thousands of people come to Jesus, and how many know he healed them all? You don't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus did not heal them all. Now, there were some he passed by. There were some that didn't come to him. But Jesus never sent anyone away empty. He always healed. He always filled. He always touched lives. Now, Jesus is tired. How many have ever been sick and tired of being tired? And Jesus was trapped in a human fleshly body. When I say trapped, I mean, we're talking about God robed himself in flesh. He's here for 33 years, and he's presenting God. The fullness of the Godhead is in him. And God is in Christ in a fleshly body, reconciling the world unto himself. But that fleshly body would get thirsty. That fleshly body would get weary. 
that fleshly body would get tired. And so after healing so many people and doing so much good everywhere he went, according to Acts 10, 38, the Bible says that he went north from Gennesaret. That's where Tyra and Sidon is, Tyre, uh, Tyre or Tyra, uh, Sidon. That is a Gentile, mostly populated Greek Gentile population. It is up north, and Jesus traveled from Gennesaret to the coast of Tyre and Sidon, which was 50 miles away. Now, he walked 50 miles. And when he got to wherever he was going, somewhere in the area of Tyre and Sidon, he's going there to get rest. He's, he's actually going to Tyre and Sidon to find some vacation time, some rest time. And so when he gets where he's going, he goes inside of a house. And there he is in a house, and he's trying to get some rest. And this woman comes barging in, and she is a Syrophoenician woman. She's a Gentile, a Greek. And all the Jews called the, the Gentiles dogs. And you'll find in the scripture where Jesus Christ even referred to that statement, it's not proper, not meat to cast the children's bread to the dogs. Jesus Christ was sent first to the house of Israel. And this woman comes into the house. Jesus, in verse 24 of Mark 7, I want to give you scripture for this. Verse 24, from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. See, you thought I was making it up. Jesus was hid out in a house. He was hid. He went into a house to hide because he was being crowded. But this woman comes and she barges in the house and she's there. And the reason she comes into the house where Jesus is is because she is saying to Jesus, the devil is in my house. So I come to where you're in the house. My house is not fit to be. The devil's in my house. Look at verse 22. And behold, the woman of Cana came unto the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So she's basically saying, My daughter is vexed with the devil. And I came into this house where you are, because the devil is in my house. And she begins to ask Jesus for a miracle because her young daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She comes and says, Son of David. She refers to Jesus as the Messiah. O Lord, thou son of David, verse 22. My daughter is not just vexed, she's grievously vexed with the devil. And I've come here because the devil's in my house and my daughter needs a miracle. She asked Jesus by his Messiah name. She was a Greek, 
a Gentile, Syrophoenician woman, and, but she had did her homework. She had already knew, she knew more than the Pharisees knew. She knew that Jesus was the son of David. She came in and gave Jesus a Messianic Jewish title. You are the son of King David. You're the son of David. And so when she comes in, she announces that she is not ignorant of the fact of who he is. She said, oh, Lord, meaning you're sovereign. She knew he was Lord. She had heard about the miracles. She had heard about doing so many miraculous things. Jesus Christ conquered so many bad situations, a healing Jesus. And she comes into him and says, Oh, Lord, you're Lord, you're the Messiah. And I'm asking you to do something about my daughter that is grievously vexed with the devil. Jesus was hid out in the house. The Bible says that Jesus could not be hid. How many know Jesus cannot be hid? Jesus cannot be hid. The world would like to hide Jesus, but Jesus cannot be hid. There are even religions that would like to hide Jesus, but Jesus cannot be hid. Jesus cannot be denied. He's the sovereign God of the universe. He cannot be ignored. He's much bigger than anything around us. He is the sovereign Lord of the universe. Jesus is the Son of God. And so he's in the house. He's, he's hid out. And she comes into the house. And she says, Son of David, O Lord, Son of David. And I could just hear the disciples say, who let the dog in? Who, who let the dog in? Now, this woman is talking to Jesus in Jewish biblical terms. Lord, son of David. And she's basically telling Jesus, my house has a devil in it. My daughter has a devil in her. My house is in a wreck. So I came to your house. That isn't. Hello. I want to say to those that's watching this by television or by live stream or whatever, if your house is in a wreck, this one is not. If your life is upside down, my life is not. If your house has a devil in it, this church doesn't. Closest thing to a devil in this church would be a deacon backslid. As the preacher said, you, when I die, you deacons shed no tears, for I'll be no less dead then than you have been for years. Now, I believe that a deacon is a highly exalted position, so I'm, of course, teasing. Demons are, are pathetic and destructive, but deacons are actually more than just a deacon. They're, they're in the area of an apostleship, an area of great exaltation. They're not called apostles, but they are, they, they're not there just to pass out wafers on Sunday morning in communion. They're not there just to carry groceries across the street to the neighbor's house. They're there to hold up 
Moses' arms. They're there to hold up the man of God's arms. They're there to go out and evangelize. For Philip himself was a deacon, but he went out and he preached and he shared the gospel with the Samaritans. Now, some would say Philip wasn't a deacon. Well, I'll give you that. We know he's an evangelist because Acts chapter 8 says he was an evangelist, showed us that he was an evangelist. And so, if you listen to me, I can share with you some things that will really come to home with you. Have you ever prayed and God never answered a word? Have you ever sought God and you could not feel God? Have you ever called on God? The Bible says that when this woman begged, said, have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And she's worshiping the Lord. She's saying, oh, Lord, son of David. The Bible says that she, that she just, and it indicates, according to Mark chapter 7, she just kept asking. She kept, the disciples said, send her away. She's just driving us crazy. And so basically what was happening is Jesus wasn't answering. He was giving her the silent treatment. And sometimes God gives us the silent treatment because he wants us to pull, he wants to pull something out of us. If God's silent in your life, you shouldn't be. I said, if God's silent in your life, you shouldn't be. He's wanting to pull something out of you. And this woman asked, and, and the third point I want to put out is the word spoke not a word. Jesus is the word, and the word spoke not a word. Have you ever went to church and, and God didn't talk to you? You went to church and went home feeling like you hadn't been? Sometimes that's the preacher's fault. Sometimes that's the song leader's fault. Sometimes that's the membership's fault. Sometimes it's your fault. And sometimes God wants you to seek him and not just a group of people. He wants you to turn to him. Amen? I'm preaching better than responding, but it's all right. And so Jesus basically is looking at, looking at it like this. Who let the dog in? She's a Gentile. She's called a dog. Now, when you get into epistles, you'll discover that dogs are called false teachers, false prophets. But here, she's just fallen in line with the Jewish people, which the Jewish called all Gentile people unclean and dogs. And so Jesus is being quiet. He's not saying a word. And she just keeps asking. And what, because she keeps asking, the disciples were touched and moved. Verse 23, Jesus is not saying a word, but there in verse 23, but he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, meaning begged Jesus, send her away, for she crieth after us. So that verse tells us, now, now some people think, well, the disciples are just being rude, they're telling, they're telling Jesus, just send her away, she's a dog, she's not any, she's not any count. Uh, I don't think the disciples were basically saying that. I believe the disciples were touched in their heart by this woman's crying. I believe these disciples were, well, it's just, not, it's just not ordinary. It's just not Jesus. Jesus just don't send someone away. 
And the disciples knew that. And when they said to Jesus, send her away, they begged Jesus, they sought Jesus, send her away. And Jesus answered her not a word. But Jesus said, the disciples said, send her away. And basically what they were saying was, as the disciples were saying, heal her and get her out of here. Give her what she needs and get her out of here so we can get some rest. Then Jesus comes along and he says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He tells his disciples, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so now the disciples are concerned because Jesus Christ is opposing what they were begging Jesus to do. All the while, Jesus is setting this woman up for an incredible miracle. In fact, he was setting this woman up so that all the Gentiles in this room can be encouraged. He was setting her up so that all the world can know that Jesus is not a Jewish God. He's a heavenly God. He's a God over the whole world. That Jesus is not just sent to the Jews alone, but he's sent to the entire world and that God so loved the world. He didn't just send Jesus to Israel. He gave his son, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever, that includes Gentiles and Greeks and no matter who you are, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're included. And so... The disciples first, their mood, verse 23, they're moved, they're touched and moved. I believe the disciples probably had some tears. And we're talking about a mother crying. And if you can ignore a mother crying, then you are stone cold, rock dead. And I believe, I believe John You know that soft one that said, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved? I believe John was just wiping the tears away. That woman's crying out, and Jesus is not saying a word. And those disciples are moved by this mother's cry. They're disturbed by this mother's pleading and crying. And I want you to know that your pleading and crying not only moves the disciples of God, your pleading and crying not only moves your family and friends, but your pleading and crying moves the heart of God. Amen? She approaches Jesus first with tears and crying. Now she's going to approach Jesus with faith. It's always good to wet your faith in tears first. Amen? It's always good to wet your, your faith in tears of prayer. It's always good first to wet your life and wet your approach to God in your tears and in your emotions, your cry. And then you soak your faith in the tears that you've cried before God. Now this woman, when Jesus Christ said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to the dog, This woman in verse 24 where Jesus said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This woman begins 
a debate with Jesus. And she worships Jesus. She begins her debate with worship. Did you know that Jesus allowed her to win a debate with him? Come on now, I'm preaching better than responding. Jesus allowed this woman, a woman and a Gentile, to debate him and win. Notice, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This woman knew that Jesus was the, he came to Israel. This woman knew that his, his title was son of David. This woman knew that she was an outsider. This woman knew that she was a Syrophoenician woman. She knew that she was not in the, 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 the scope of Israel. She knew that. So she knew that she was out of her place in that house as a woman and as a Gentile. She knew that she was on no trespassing territory according to the scribes and Pharisees. She knew that. But she also knew that God is bigger than the scribes and the Pharisees. She also knew that Jesus is greater and more powerful than the scribes and religion, that Jesus' love far exceeds the borders of Israel. She knew that. And Jesus goes beyond the borders of Israel, up at Tyre and Sidon, 50 miles away, to get rest. And all the time he goes in the house, I think he tells the disciples, make sure you secure the house. We want to rest. And he knew this woman would come barging in. And I believe maybe Jesus turned to his disciples and said, who let the dog in? Now, that didn't offend her. I want you to know something. Um, Real faith, real love toward God, real need for yourself and your loved ones cannot be discouraged. It cannot be driven away. Your real need, some people don't, See, their need is real need. But if your need is real, you will not be driven away from the feet of Jesus Christ. The gospel, by the way, Jesus came to the Jew first. Paul said to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus, the same gospel, the same Jesus Christ, the same love of God, that same bread that heals us, that same bread will take us home. Here in this passage of Scripture, bread is healing. Now, we know that bread is health, bread is nourishment, bread is pleasure. Judy and my daughter Rachel made a lot of pleasure last night. Homemade bread and homemade cinnamon rolls. And I mean, know that they're not so much nourishment, but they sure are pleasure. Amen? Now, my wife puts a lot of cinnamon, and I call it goo, on cinnamon rolls. She baptizes the cinnamon rolls with gooey cinnamon and sugar, brown sugar, and it's just covered. You, can, you can't even see the rolls for all that massive sugar diabetes. <laughs> and so I got me two or three big old pieces of cinnamon rolls and a big old tall glass of milk because I'm going to have some pleasure. And I scraped all that 
syrup and all that cinnamon, all that sugar, and all that goo off of my cinnamon roll. And I sat down and eat it. There's about a half a plate of goo on my plate. I enjoyed my cinnamon roll and drank my glass of milk. Why? Because I was getting pleasure. And I scooted my plate over, heaped with all the goo, and Judy took in on great pleasure. I watched my wife enter into great pleasure. Now, bread is healing in this scripture. Bread is nourishment. Bread is health. But in this scripture, bread is healing and soundness of spirit. The Lord's Prayer, which is really not the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John 17, but the Lord's Prayer we refer to, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our, what? Daily bread. Give us our daily nourishment. Give us our daily healing. How many know if you don't get daily healing every morning, you're going to wake up sick for a long time? Every morning I get up, I get up healed. So how do you know you're healed? Because I wouldn't get up if I wasn't healed. Amen? You say, well, I don't get up very quick and very, well, you know, eat some more cinnamon rolls. Have some pleasure. Now, I want to show you the debate that this woman had with Jesus Christ. Verse 27 through 28. Here's what it says in Matthew 15. Remember Jesus Christ said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to the, and cast it to the dog. That's in verse 27. I am not sent but to the house of Israel. And the woman dropped to her knees at the feet of Jesus. She worshiped him and said, Lord, help me. She worshiped and she begged, Lord, help me. Now she's, she's getting ready to win the debate. She's crying. She's coming to God. She's worshiping. She's coming to God. She's tears. She's soaking her faith in, in her tears. She's crying out to God. She comes to God with worship. She comes to Jesus Christ, not with just worship, not dry worship, but wet worship. Enthusiastic and, and, and desperate worship. She comes to Jesus with her faith soaked in tears. And she said, Lord, help me. She prays, Lord, help me. And Jesus Christ says, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs, verse 26. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now, what had Jesus been doing all the time before he came here? He fed the hungry, the multitude. Later on in this chapter, we're going to find that he's going to feed 4,000 Gentiles, basically, the 5,000 in the first part of, uh, actually in chapter 14, the 5,000 men, which would be around 10 or 12,000, those were basically Jewish people. The 4,000 is going to be basically, not all, but basically Gentile and Greek people. And so he's going to give bread not only to the Jews, but also to the Greek. Here he's preparing his disciples, and he's telling his disciples 
this woman has come in. And so Jesus says what all the disciples are thinking. He answers her when she cried, Lord, help me. He answers her and says, it's not meat for the children's bread to be cast to the dogs. Now, children's bread, what has he been doing? All this time, Jesus has been healing the sick, been opening blinded eyes, been healing the cripple. That's bread. Hello? That's bread. That's miracles. That's bread. But also he gave them cinnamon rolls. Well, they were covered with fish, little fishies. He gave them bread for pleasure. He gave them bread for stable life. Bread is not just what we eat. Bread is what we become when we turn to Jesus Christ because he is the bread of life. Amen? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. This woman is going to win the debate with Jesus. Jesus Christ calls her a dog. He calls her a dog. Verse 26. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dog. She called, Jesus called this woman a dog. Now, he didn't call her a dog like the mongrels that roamed the streets. He called her, in the Greek word, he called her a dog as in little puppy. A house dog. Now, Jewish people didn't have house dogs, but Syrophoenician woman knew what house dogs were because the Greeks and the Gentiles had house dogs. How many know house dogs know how to beg? House dogs know how to take what they want to take. When we had our little dog, sometimes I just wanted to lock myself in a room so I could eat in privacy. The dog never gets any, you know, the dog never loses patience. The dog's looking at you, wagging its tail, looking at you, saying, what's gone wrong? Right here, buddy. And the dog that we had wouldn't go to Judy's side of the table because he knew that that was a dry run. He would always go to my side or Josh's side or one of the kids' side. The dog would go there because that dog knew that we were touched with the feelings of its infirmities. <laughs> Amen? Come on. And so Jesus calls her a dog. I mean, just right out calls her a dog. That's what the... Jewish people called this Syrophoenician woman. That's what the Jewish people called the Gentile people, dogs. And so Jesus just sides with the Jews and says, it's not meat to cast the children's bread to the dogs. Now, she's already got Jesus' heart with her tears and her worship. She's already saturated the disciples. Or they're sniffling, they're crying. And Jesus has already been raptured. This woman's already raptured Jesus' heart. And Jesus goes on another step forward. And he said, I want to have a debate with this woman. It's not me to cast the children's bread to the dogs. And the woman says, I want to debate you on that. 
And when Jesus Christ said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to the dog, she says, truth, Lord, verse 27. She said, truth, Lord, you're right. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. How many would agree she won the debate? When Jesus Christ said, it's not meat that I cast the children's bread to the dogs, she said, that's right, I'm a dog. And I'm going to keep begging until you help me. That's right, I'm a dog. And the disciples are not going to run me out of the house because look at them, they're sniffling crying. They want you to do for me. And Jesus Christ is saying, well, I want to do it for you too, but I want the whole world to see that I'm for the little dogs of the world. I'm for the underdogs of the world. Jesus Christ did not just die for the big Bible scholars. He died for the underdogs of the world. Jesus Christ did not come just to bless those that were perfect. He came to bless those that were imperfect. And if anybody knows anything about a dog, they are not perfect. Except in their begging at the table. That is perfection. Long-suffering while you sit at the table and they don't, they, you know, they don't suffer. They, just, they know they're going to get it. They know that sooner or later, if you don't hand them something, you're going to drop something. Sometimes I wonder what's going through the dog's mind. Sometimes I wonder if the dog's saying, make him drop it, please, pretty please, make him drop it. Wow, make him drop it. And Judy, if she dropped a piece, she would reach down and pick it back up. You know why? Because she lets her chickens beg her. She says, that's not good for the dog, but the chickens will eat that. Now, they call my wife in that neighborhood the chicken lady. I don't call her the chicken lady. But they call her the chicken lady, especially the children. And they'll walk past our house and they'll always take bread. And they'll go to the chicken pen and they'll feed them chickens bread because they love them chickens. Now, I want you to know a chicken is good outside the plate and in the plate. A chicken is good on its feet, it's good on the platter. These chickens, Judy raised chickens in the house. They were little babies. And I kid you not, when it started to get dark, they would come up on the porch and wait for the chicken lady to put them to bed. She had a, I'm telling you the truth, she had a chicken She's named them all, you know, Bertha and Hazel and whatever. And if your name is Bertha or Hazel, I've talked to Judy. Don't talk to me about it. But anyway, and she's named them all. She's got one named Patricia. Really, she does. I'm serious. One of my grandkids named it Patricia. Patty. Well, Patty got out of the yard and the neighbor said, 
oh boy, chicken dinner. And Patty was being eaten alive by the neighbor's dog. I, as humble and gracious as I am, I jumped over the fence. Actually, I didn't. I climbed over and then fell over the fence. But anyway, <laughs> I climbed up the fence, rolled over it on the ground. I rescued that chicken named Patty. Making you feel good, isn't it, Patricia? Pat. And so she nurtures Patty back to health. So she puts Patty in the house. She feeds it, doctors Patty, and finally Patty gets well. We'd always put Patty in the house in a, in a tub, and Judy would take care of her and let her get out at day, in the daytime, roam around. But she wasn't able to get on a, on a perch or anything like that kind of crippled, like, never mind. But anyway, and uh, I'm preaching better than you responded. But anyway, uh, she, that chicken named Patricia would come every night when the sun began to go down and peck on the window for Judy to open the door and put her to bed. What's that got to do with your sermon? Nothing. But if your name's Pat, you're nervous right now. I love animals. I do. And I, I learned a lot by that. I learned a lot that we can be gracious. And, and if we can be kind to a, an animal, if we can be kind to, to, a, to a, a chicken or whatever, don't you know that God can be kind to us? God can be merciful to us. In fact, he can be more than kind. He can give us eternal life. Amen? And so this woman says to Jesus, you're right. You're right. I'm a dog. You're right. I don't belong in this house, but the devil's in my house. You're right. I don't deserve but I'm desperate, and I need you to heal my daughter that's grievously vexed with the devil. You're right, I'm a dog, but I'm under your table because even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And basically what she was telling Jesus was this. I've taken my place under the table, and I'm not leaving until I get some crumbs. I don't need a loaf of bread. I just need a crumb. A crumb will... Even a crumb can drive the devil away. Amen? Devil's not that big. I mean, a little crumb would drive the devil away. Amen? And so she tells Jesus, even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus Christ says, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Just go home now. Your daughter is healed. Now, in this story, my favorite verse is in Mark chapter 7 in this story. Mark chapter 7, my favorite verse, is verse 30. This is my favorite verse concerning this miracle. 
Verse 30, and when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone. She found the devil gone out. The devil no longer was in her house. And more than that, the devil was no longer in her daughter. This verse fascinates me for several reasons. But one reason on top of it all is that when she got home, she found the devil gone. Let me tell you, friends, if the devil is in your house, come to God's house. Beseech God. So when you go home, the devil will be gone. Because what you do in this house will drive the enemy away in your house at home. You can cry out to God. You can plead with God. Amen. This is a great verse. Uh, There's another reason I believe this is a great verse. She not only found the devil gone, but she found the devil gone out of her daughter. The devil was gone from her daughter. Now, you ready to get something to shout over? I would shout, but my voice is a little weak today, so I'm not going to shout because I want to scream at you tonight. When she got home, she found her house in order. When she got home, she found the devil gone. She found the devil gone from her daughter. But the most fascinating thing in this verse is not just that. The Bible says she was grievously vexed with the devil. She was tormented. Notice the phrase in verse 30, the last phrase in verse 30. Notice what it says. And her daughter was laid upon the bed. Wow. That speaks volumes to me. Because if you're grievously vexed with the devil, you're not going to be in bed. You're going to be tearing up the place. Devils don't like to stay in bed. They want to give you just enough health that they'll torment you when you're limping along. And this little girl, I call her little. The Bible says she was called the young daughter. No doubt, and I don't know whether her brother stayed with her While she was gone, I don't know whether the father stayed with her. I don't know. Maybe she was there by herself. I don't know. But somebody took her. Somebody took her and bathed her, washed her, put garments on her and laid her in her bed. Somebody made her bed. The Bible says she didn't just go to bed. The Bible says she was laid in her bed, meaning somebody took her and laid her in upon her bed. Now, if her father was there, I believe he was overjoyed, He cleansed her, he bathed her, put her to bed. She's now sleeping for the first time probably in years. She's getting rest. She's exhausted. She's just resting in God's power. Maybe it was a brother. Maybe it was a sister. Maybe, let me stretch it a little. 
Maybe the Lord dispatched a couple of angels to go over to that residence. When Jesus Christ said to that Syrophoenician woman, you go home, your daughter is healed. Maybe Jesus dispatched an angel. She may have been there alone. And maybe an angel came to her and said, orders from above, devil, out. Orders from above, out. And maybe that angel just kind of cleaned her up, gave her something to eat, and put her to bed. I don't think I'm stretching it. I think that's a real possibility. I think it's a glorious possibility. Because how else is the supernatural going to take place at your house when you're here in this house? How else is the supernatural going to take place in her house when Jesus is in his house? Bald house, obviously. He's in his house. And Jesus says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Go home. She's, she's healed. There had to be something supernaturally hit that house. There had to be something like TNT exploding in that house. Maybe the angel had to trace her down in the yard. Maybe the father had to chase her down in the yard. Maybe a sister had to chase her down in the yard. Maybe a sister or a couple of sisters had to chase her down in the yard. And all of a sudden, she turns to her sister or brother or father and smiles. Maybe she says to her father, Papa! And Papa hadn't heard that in years. Well, she turned to the sister and said, Sister! And sister hadn't heard that in years. And they pick her up and take her in the house. Whether an angel did it, whether a father did it, whether a daughter, a, a sister, a sibling did it, a brother, whatever. She didn't get laid in that house by demonic powers. She didn't get laid in bed by demonic powers. The devil didn't pick her up and put her to bed. The devil had her pounded down in agony and desperation. And somebody had to pick her up and lay her in her bed. Now, some of you in this room need to start believing God for the supernatural at your home. You come to church all the time wanting to see the supernatural in church. Some of you need to go home and believe for God for the supernatural in your home. Believe, believe God for the supernatural in your marriage. Believe God for the supernatural in your family. Believe God for the supernatural in your home. Believe God that you can have a home where the devil's gone. Isn't that good? No wonder that verse 30 of Mark 7 is my favorite verse. Our technician came to me and said, there's no Mark 7.30. I said, oh, I'm in trouble. That's my favorite verse. I said, let me look and make sure. So I went to the Bible and said, yep, it's theirs. Mark 7.30. She said, well, I'll look again. I said, please do. Because that's my favorite verse. It's got to be in there. 
And it is one of my favorite verses concerning this story. So I want to invite you this morning. I I just kind of walked you through the possibilities. I want you to know that God is able to make your bed. God is able to give you rest. God is able to give your sons and daughters rest. God is able to heal your drug addict son. God is able to heal your drug addict daughter. God is able to heal your child that is agonizing and hurting. God is able. But it all begins with you interceding. First, saturating your faith with tears, with begging God. See, most of us stop right there. Most of us stop with tears. We get up feeling better because we cried. We get up feeling better because we prayed. And most of us stop there. We go, we cry, we beg, we pray. But we need to go a step further. We need to worship. And we need to debate with our mind. Yes, God is good. And yes, God still heals. And yes, God does help people. And yes, God is for the dogs of the world. God never sent this woman home alone without help. She did, God did, Jesus didn't send this woman home without her need being met. And the disciples knew that it was against the nature of Jesus to leave her hanging. Yet Jesus wanted to show us in this story that he's the God of the Greeks. He's the God of the Gentiles. He's the God of the dog, the underdog. He's the God of those, you know, uh, uh, the, the Jewish people were wrong when they called them dogs. But that got to be kind of a scorning thing, dog. They're a dog, you know, that dog. And they, we, they call them a dog like a scavenger in a, in a junkyard. But Jesus says, it's not proper to cast the children's bread to the dogs, true. But he used the word puppy, house dog. And that woman related to that because she probably had a house dog herself if the, if the grievously vexed daughter didn't hurt the dog. The dog was probably there. And, and by the way, the grievously vexed, demon-possessed daughter may have been Enough saying that she was feeding the dog. That dog may have been her only companion. And so Jesus Christ says, go your way. And all that's to prove to us that Jesus Christ cares for us. And you may feel like a dog today. You may feel like you're not worthy. That woman didn't say she was worthy. That woman said, Jesus, you're right. I'm a dog. You're right, I don't belong in this house. But you are the Messiah. You are the son of David. And you're right. I don't belong. You're right, I'm a dog. But even the dogs eat, beg from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He said, I just came here to get a crumb. I just came here to get a crumb. And so she took that crumb home. And she found out that that little crumb that she gathered up that Jesus gave her 
was enough to drive the devil out of her house, out of her daughter, and lay her daughter in bed, sleeping and sound, safe and sound. Now, let me close the message with this. As a child of God, you're not a dog. Before you were saved, you were a dog, as far as separated from God, unclean. But as a Christian, you are not a dog. You are a child of God. And you can sit at the table, and you can eat homemade or heaven-made rolls. You can have Jesus-made cinnamon rolls. You can sit at the table and eat all the bread you want. And you can believe God for your healing. You can believe God for your nourishment. You can believe God for your manifestation of healing. You can believe God cancer gone. You can believe God diabetes gone. You can believe God for healing for your body. And you can believe God for healing for your family. You, you're not under the table. But you know, I have a confession to make. Get your pen out. I have a confession to make. I know I'm not a dog. I know I'm a child of God. I sit at the table and expect big rolls of bread. Because I'm one of his children. And I enjoy the Word of God, and I enjoy the things of God. But sometimes I get to feeling low. And I scoot my chair back. And I slide in under the table. And I say to Jesus, I'm not worthy. I need some crumbs. All the time there's a loaf on the table. But sometimes I just feel unworthy. And I want you to know something. God never runs out of bread. Even, after you, even if you have to lick it up from the floor. Amen. Different kind of message. I hope the Lord has spoken, has spoke to you. I hope the Lord has showed you that God is a God of fun. He's a God of holiness. He's a God of righteousness. He's a God of power. He's a God of delight. He's a God of mercy. We can enjoy God's healing. My wife texts me today. She don't text me very often because I'm not a textable person much, but she texts me and she said, we've been forgetting something about Bobby Baldrige. I thought, oh, man, I've been praying all morning. My voice is about gone. I read her text. She said, yeah, it says there in Mark 11 that if you say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and, and, and not doubt in your heart, but believe the things you say shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. I, didn't, I told her later when she got here, I've been praying that prayer, been speaking that prayer. But she was saying that, you know, we need to just, once that, once that thing is severed from our life, whether it be sin or 
whether it be cancer or whether it be some kind of disease, once that thing is severed from our life and it begins to die, you need to take that by faith and cast it into the sea of God's incredible vanishing point. Cast it into the sea. Cast the mountain into the sea. Cast it into the sea. Speak it and not doubt in your heart. Cast it into the sea. The sea of God's grace. The sea of God's mercy. The sea of God's power. So the things that are coming against you will sink down deep into the vanishing point. And they will be gone. Isn't that good? I do believe in a God who heals. I do believe in a God that delivers. You say, what if, what if someone gets sick? I still believe God's healer. still believe God's a deliverer. You say, well, God didn't do it for me, or God didn't do it for my family, or God didn't do something for me. Listen to me. Worship God for what he can and what he has done. Don't criticize him for what he didn't do. He is God. And we want to go see him, don't we? And we don't want to be bitter toward our God. Dogs are amazing creatures. They don't, you can yell at them. You can be the worst dog owner of all. How many know some people don't deserve a dog? Some people don't deserve a dog, let alone a wife. Some people don't deserve a dog. Because, you know, at least the, at least the dog will come back wagging his tail and won't hold, you, hold a grudge. But a human being, whether it be a wife or a husband, will hold a grudge. Amen? Not to hold a grudge. Let it go. 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 Amen? Dogs forgive. So do children. They forgive. And God's people need to learn to always forgive. Let it go. Let it go. You say, well, what if the dog bites me? Well, a 22 bullet takes care of that. And I'll not go to the other direction. Amen. My dad told me one time, take that dog out and shoot it. And I said, Dad, I always obey you, but I'm not going to do it. And Dad said, you're going to do it. I'm going to wear you out. You ever heard that term? And I said, Dad, you'll just have to wear me out. I'm not, I'm not shooting that dog. Dad said, well, if you want something done, you do it yourself. He takes, the, he takes his gun, he walks out into the woods, and the dog's walking behind him, just wagging its tail. And the dog just looking at it. And Dad comes back. And I said, Dad, I didn't hear a shot. He said, I didn't shoot. I said, where's the dog? He said, the dog's in the house. And we're there in the kitchen with your mother. I said, I thought you were going to shoot the dog. He said, couldn't. It looked at me with really sweet eyes. 
Let them do it. And I said, Dad, that's the reason I told you I wouldn't do it. Because I couldn't do it. And Dad said, well, I shouldn't have asked you to do it because I couldn't do it. You know, that dog turned out to be one of the best dogs ever. In fact, that dog turned out to be a bird dog. It really wasn't a bird dog, but my dad liked to hunt quail. And my dad, my dad could shoot a quail in the air. As long as the quail was flying straight, my dad could shoot a quail with a twenty-two rifle in the air in flight. He always was mindful of what was on beyond the quail. But he could hit a quail with a twenty-two in flight. He usually took a shotgun. But this dog would go up to the pile, and this dog, like a bird dog, would pull its front paw up, stretch out, and push his tail straight out. And it would wait for Dad to say, okay, get the shotgun right, go! And the dog would run into the brush pile. The quail would fly everywhere. He'd shoot him. And I remember telling Dad, aren't you glad you didn't shoot that quail dog, that bird dog. He said, son, that's not a bird dog. I said, but it acts like a bird dog. And that dog became one of dad's favorites. What's that got to do with a sermon? Not a thing, but it's a good story. That, <laughs> you can tell I'm, I'm getting close to an old man now. I'm 70 now. Come on, give me a little lead way. Amen. Won't be long. I'll start repeating myself. <laughs> Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. We'll be going to Tyree and Sidon today. No. Boy, when I get older, I'm going to pull that on you. Josh, come and bring a song. We're glad that you came today. Well, let's all stand. How'd you like to go home and find the devil gone? So how'd you like to go home and find the devil gone? You say, well, the devil's not in my house. Well, how'd you like to not take him home? Amen? What a great story. What a great message. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Brings me back to the sermon. Who, who let the dog in? Hoo-hoo, let the dogs out. Well, Jesus Christ has let us all out so that we can come to his table and beg for his mercy and his grace. Altar's open, you come.